All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. There's the status quo, and then there are the game changers. They write books and make films about game changers, people who put a dent in the universe. Are you one of them? This series explains everything you need to know to be a game changer and how to win at the game of business and life. Today's episode is made possible by Think Next, Act Now, a movement that trains and mentors tomorrow's entrepreneur today. And now, here are your hosts, Bill Woodich and Todd Schnick. All right, welcome back to the show about how to become a game changer. Understanding that business and life is a game and we're here to play it well and play to win. So welcome to episode two, where we're going to talk about what does actually winning mean? What is your destination and what has to actually happen to call yourself? A game changer. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Bill Woodich. Good morning, my friend. Great to be with you. Off and running. Here we go. All right, let's get to it. Before we get into today's conversation, though, what does it mean to Bill Woodich to actually be a game changer? And why do we even need a series like this? Well, to me, to be a game changer is the excitement in life because I, I've always thought of life as a game. And I know that offends some and some can't think that way. They think that life is this big, daunting, exercise that must be always undertaken with gravity and and be and it must always be undertaken with a serious note and there's it's that's true. a there's, game yeah, that's a game yeah <laughs> so you know and and i want to get in there and play and i i understand that by playing it's always been fun to me so my mother used to always scold me and said all you want to do is play 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 and i kept doing it all the way through life and I, I think that's the joy of of things for me so to be a game changer you think about life as a game i want to be relevant i want to have some kind i want to be remarkable and to be relevant, be remarkable, or to be remembered in some way of uh, to contribute to others in some way is changing the game. So to me, to get in that game means we have to be accountable. We have to be accountable to ourselves. We have to be accountable and be respectful of others. We have to keep our self-respect. We have to build our own value. We have to know our value, and we can never give up that value or put it out to society to measure. We have to be the ones. So to change the game, we have to start inside because the game begins within. It's a mindset. When did it become bad to, quote, play? When were you happiest? We were happiest as kids and we were out playtime, right? Recess right. was a great thing. Right. Why did we let that get drummed out of our, of our life and our, and our process? I mean, this, it should be playtime. Life is fun. But in that same event, it, it's, it's a game and it ought to be an entertaining journey through life, right? Because people took the term work and wore it as a mantle that was very heavy, very serious, it was just very grungy, very grimy, and it was just something that had to be done that was separate from life. And to me, Todd, business and life are the same. Life is the big group. Business is simply a subset of life. So there's no two separate disciplines out there. Mm. And I do my best when I'm playing because I'm loose and I'm having fun and I'm not taking it that serious. And when you do, when you stop taking yourself that serious, others see that sometimes, and I don't mean be a clown, but it lightens everything up because people know what you're there for in the context of work. In business, they know why we're knocking on the door, why we're picking up the phone. But if you can meet people and really start to learn about people where you can, you'll learn that you might not be for all people, but the ones that you can be for, the ones that you can interact with, it becomes more fun, becomes more a game because no one wants to wear the mantle of work on their shoulders. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's important to also talk about this idea when you and I talk about, hey, it's a game and you got to play it well and play to win and winning is important. I think it's important to say this doesn't mean that you, there has to be a loser. No. There's going to be winners and losers in games. That's just the way it goes. But the point, point that we're making with winning is that we all can win, right? Well, I've gone to great lengths to eradicate the thinking of zero sum. 
So I don't want this to be a zero-sum game. It's a process. And life is a process of wins and losses if we associate such. But it's just, for, for me, terminology. And everything is found in terminology. It's very important. So to me, and I think to every listener, every listener has to have their very own definition in life of what winning is. To me, it's freedom. So to me, winning the game of life is to be able to have more freedom. Now, I have to do the work to have the freedom. But I'm, we talked last night, and we talked about uh, being an essentialist, being a minimalist. You know, there's so much clutter in our heads. When we can start getting rid of some of that clutter, we can actually start to enjoy life. There's so many competing voices out there that are saying, this is winning, this is losing, this isn't even playing the game. Get rid of those voices. Define what's important to you. Define what winning means to you. And while you're doing that, stay with that definition of success. Because to me, it's a progressive realization of a worthy endeavor. And it's always been that way since I was a kid. It's, if this is what I want to do, let me do it really well. That's my expectation. So it's fulfilling your personal expectation. You either are doing that every day or you're not. That to me is success. It's not society saying, here's how we measure it. It's X, Y, and Z. It's a, that's a game we, we can never win. That's just a game of frustration. But a game changer has to have a destination, right? You cannot be a game changer and never go anywhere and achieve something, even if it's a minor goal. You have to know this, right? I mean, that this is essential to being a game changer. So you have to know what you're aiming for. Oh, now we're going to go deep. And I like that. <laughs> uh, now we're going deep. So I think destination happens. And I think that there's the destiny, overall destination would be just to keep the journey in, in terms of happiness. And I think happiness is something that and I, there's a, there's a powerful word. Uh, there's a scary word. I think it's something that we don't, that we don't search for. I think we, the more we search for, the more eludes our grasp. So to me, it's a continual process, not so much a destination for happiness. And I think happiness is a way of life. Happiness is, is, can be maybe getting rid of debt or having the financial security at some point. You know, all things in, in life, there's no such thing as true security, but really to have the financial wherewithal to have some sense of security because getting rid of a lot of debt load or getting rid of a lot of that clutter can help us to express more and have that bounce of happiness that we all, I think, search for. Now, some people just like to be unhappy. They find their perverse form of pleasure in being unhappy. But for those who seek happiness, I think I would caution and mentor, stop searching so much. You know, Stop searching so much and get in the game and immerse with people and it will ensue. The difference between joy, which is a birthday party, surprise, it's great, or the great bottle of wine or the, the new car, that's a bounce of joy. But overall, happiness is a state, it's a mindset, it's a way, and I think that, to me, makes for every destination because I'm happy along the way. Well, there's this uh, favorite story of mine about Chris Sebert, the tennis champion. Um, she told the story once that when she won Wimbledon, that brought her happiness and joy for a couple of hours. What she quickly realized was that the process it took to get there and win that championship was what really mattered to her. And then that made her say, all right, it's time to go to work and prepare for the next one. I mean, that's important, right? I mean, yeah, there has to be a goal. There has to be a destination. There has to be an end point to a journey. But I think when you're on your deathbed, you're going to recognize that the journey was really what was rewarding and fun and memorable, right? Well, I think those destinations are markers that, that show us where we are in terms of our achievement. And I think we have, as individuals, we need, we need to achieve something. And that's part of the always forward mindset as well. We need to achieve. We need to move forward. But I, w I would submit to you, and I was just talking to someone about this yesterday, that on our deathbed, whether it's Warren Buffett or whomever, would we trade all of our financial wherewithal, all of the material trappings and holdings for another two hours or three hours or another day? Oh, I think we would. Absolutely think we would. So I look at, at the opus of life, of the big picture in life, and I think, 
there are achievements and, and there are ways of destination. And I know that in business, every time it was a huge opportunity that we brought to fruition, it was almost anticlimactic because the chase was all the foreplay, it was all the fun and the whole process, whether it was a year or a month or two years, that was the heightened, heightened sense of awareness and the heightened sense of expectation where you were putting everything you had in that field of play. And that was the fun. And then you got the yes or you got the no. But if you had the yes, sometimes it was anticlimactic. Well, a game changer, when they hit a goal or achieve a destination, uh, they're beginning to move on to the next one, right? What's, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's uh, the mountain of success keeps rising as you're climbing. Keep raising the bar. Because, and that's what we talked about last episode. So we did talk about the costs of all this. We mentioned that last episode. I mean, you have to know what the costs are. You have to know what the cost of a successful engagement is. And then asking the big question, are you willing to pay that cost? Talk about that. Well, let's talk about the cost and let's talk about something that is, I think for most people, they're unaware of until they're actually in it. So when people come to me and say, we're going to burn our boats and cross the Rubicon, do all these things you say, we're ready to do it. Well, they don't know what the cost is and the cost is emotional. See, the emotional fray, the emotional cost, the emotional, I think, deficit at certain points of, of any other kind of life just to pursue a certain goal, that's the toll that we don't know that we're willing to pay until we're actually in there. Because life's a trade-off, Todd. You're not going to get something of value unless you give something up of equal value. We've got to be emotionally hardened to a degree, which sounds terrible. We have to be emotionally hardened to a certain point where we can keep moving with a certain finite-looking and moving progressive achievement, and other things are going to suffer. That's the co- That's one of the costs of being a game-changer. But game changers are willing to pay those costs. And most people out there aren't willing to pay those costs. And and that's the difference. That is the difference. That's the difference in the 1%. The difference is in the people that are willing to pay those costs. And there is collateral damage in every decision. Uh, The other people who are prone to sit on a couch will reap the rewards of couch time. All right. So we can, we can look and see what they are. Maybe they, they have, they could probably win a game show. Maybe they're going to be on Jeopardy one day. Maybe that's their holy grail. Don't know. But the ones that are going to get in the game and change the game. There's an emotional cost. They're willing to pay the cost. And they know that as they go forward, as you talked about getting up the mountain, you're going to keep raising that bar. It gets tougher and tougher. The more rarefied your achievements, the more rarefied, the better the competition. I think fear comes into this too. And and sometimes those costs are scary. And again, that's just part of this. That's what a game changer has to do. They have to ram through those fears. Let's talk about what fear is. Fear is that imagination that plays uh, this narrative forward for us. And it takes all of our defeats and catastrophes and the catastrophes of others, and it plays it as a possible reality. It becomes real. So it's that future experience that appears to be real. That's fear. Danger is different than fear. Danger is that imminent threat from man insect or reptile that could actually cause us harm. Now, fear is a very protective ally for us, and it can be an adversary. It's an ally when we're in an alley and we have our sensory, you know, we're up sensory perception is way up because there could be an actual danger there. But it's a definite adversary when it starts to play that florid imagination of worst case scenario, and it keeps us with our feet affixed to the floor, afraid to open the door, and metaphorically afraid to even enter into the to workplace, uh, afraid to engage in life, afraid of what could happen if we risk. And nothing can come, nothing can happen without that always forward, intelligent risk express. Understanding fear is just part of the game. Fear is part of the bargain. We have to deal with that first or we'll never go anywhere in life. I mean, it's fair to say we talked about this idea in the last episode, but when you're in the context of understanding the cost that you have to pay to achieve what you want to achieve, and when you feel fear, isn't that a sign? Hey, here's an opportunity. You're getting closer. Here's, here's what you have to, now you know exactly what you got to come through 
to get where you want to go. And then it, it ought to be looked upon as a, as a great thing because that's telling you exactly where the next, the next move has to be. Fear is an indicator that you're close. Yeah. And the bigger the fear, the closer you are. So the whole point there is celebrate that because that's, <laughs> that's, that, that's shining the light on the, on the path. <laughs> yes. All right. Bill and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think Next, Act Now, and go always forward. To learn more, go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, Todd Schneck back with Bill Woodich, episode two of Be a Game Changer. So, Bill, I've heard you say you don't bargain with success. What do you mean by that? Well, you're going to have to meet success on its terms. You can't negotiate or bargain with success. Success is one of those things that takes an all-out effort to go after. You can't say, you know, I'm successful. I think I'm going to stay here. Success don't leave me, but I just want to do, now I have my house, I have my car. I've got the beautiful family. I just want to maintain it. I just want to maintain. And there are three phases, I think, in business and in life. There's the achievement phase. There's that that driving achievement phase where you're you're moving forward as a driver, you're a builder. So you're a builder. And then there's that maintenance phase where you have to maintain for a while. Maybe you plateau for a little bit, but then you have to shoot to the next phase. So that next phase, the phase of next, is where growth occurs. You can't sit on success. You can't sit on success. Someone will always move up to that that level and take what you have the same way you took what you now have. So I think that's the key. You can't bargain with success. It's always under construction and it's always moving forward. Well, in thinking of your three phases there, I think most people out there, they achieve something that they would consider a success, whether even just getting a good job out of school, for instance. But where I think most people fall in the trap is and they are stuck in that second phase. And you're not a game changer until you move full throttle head into that third phase, right? Let's talk about emotional capital. The emotional capital that you expend getting from the achieving building stage into that maintenance stage is often immense. You're often subject to the intellectual, emotional, spiritual, and physical pillars, I call them, that really provide the platform, the platform for growth, learning, they house your values. At a certain point, when you're always under the chase, when you're always on the chase and you're always on the go as a builder, you need to get to a maintenance phase where you can take a little bit of a break, but you damn well better find the fire again because you have to shoot to the next level. You'll look like a bell curve in life where you go up to a certain point of achievement and all of a sudden you start coming down into senescence and older age and it goes away. You got to keep finding the spurts and that fire has to come from within. That can't come from the external. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You've talked about activity ruling success. Let's get into that a bit. You know, I wasn't the sharpest guy in the street, so I had to be the hardest working guy. So if I couldn't outwork someone, I had to outsmart them. That was rare. But if I had to, you know, outwork them, whatever whatever that proposition was. So to me, I walked into an office when I started my first job. I I needed this job. I had a, uh, I was insurance sales uh, for corporate insurance and I had this tie that my brother used to tie for me. He had a 
you know, I couldn't do anything. I had a clip on, you know, <laughs> had one corduroy suit, had no car. I said, mom, I need a car. And so she gave me this oxidized uh, brown station wagon. And I was trying to sell corporate insurance in the South, in Richmond, Virginia. And I was a fast talking Yankee. Yeah, so you imagine I had to have a lot of activity to have any success. Opened up that bullpen drawer. There was a six-inch ruler. It said, activity rules success. Now, I was a smart-ass kid out of school. I thought, well, is that what it takes? Is that what it is for success? I didn't know any better. And you know, there's something to be said about if you don't know any better, you just do it. I just started doing it. I thought, if the quota here is to make 100 calls, I'm going to make three. If the quota is here to make three, I'm going to make 900. I'm just going to keep making until my ear, in those days, was a phone up against your ear. It was like a cauliflower ear. The more, six, the more activity you have in life, the more exposure, the more expansive the people you're trying to sell or the people you want to meet with, whether it's the spouse of your dreams, the more activity you have, the more population, the more, the bigger the base, the more opportunity that can come from there and the more you can move forward. Activity will always be the precursor. Activity will rule success. Where do you draw the line between busy work and I'm just trying to justify my existence here at this corporate nine to five job and, and maybe you're stuck in that set, that maintenance phase and you're just you're just doing mindless activities and under the guise of, hey, I'm working and I'm working hard here. What's the difference between the kind of work and the activity that you're talking about that leads to success versus just getting by and justifying your salary to your boss? Great question. I call that directed and measured activity. Directed at an outcome that you must have and it has to be measured. What is the success? How am I moving toward that outcome? And ultimately, it's the result. I think there's a bullshit meter that we have within it, within where we know how much work we're actually doing and we're mailing in the day and we're doing, we're making files when we should be on the phones. That's fear. Or we're on the phones messing around or sending texts when we know in our gut we should be meeting with a person face to face. So there are certain things we can do to distract ourselves in an eight hour day and game changers don't have limits on their hours. The, the hours could be 20 hours. You know, I used to get up in the morning, three o'clock, call London to do deals. It was whatever it takes. That's the mentality. So you could go through life and you can put in your eight hours, your level of work. If you have two hours of work, you can always make it fill an eight hour day. Key for a game changer is not to measure the hours. Get out there, directed activity, measure the activity by result. And if you're not getting it, change it, change it, change it. Directed and measured activity. Help someone, you touched on it, but go deeper to someone listening that says, all right, I get it, I get it, but I don't know how to measure it. Help me really understand how I measure that activity. Let's talk about activity ruling success. How many calls are you making? How many opportunities are you making from the calls or whatever your selling model is? How are you moving toward what's important in getting that sale or in life? What is it that's next for you? So let's talk about measuring something. Are you having any kind of forward momentum, any kind of, of indicator that you are actually moving forward and succeeding in what you do? Because I think that we can have the greatest intent. We can have the greatest attitude. But if we don't have the aptitude for a certain industry, if we don't have the skill set for a certain job, we're not going to move forward. We're spinning our wheels. I would be a horrific mechanic. There's probably 90% of jobs or opportunities or careers that I would fail at. I just happen to find that little niche where I'm pretty good at something. So I think we have to be able to be in the right place. We have to have some sort of traction in going forward that's measurable. We are meeting with certain people. We're having some success from those meetings. I think that's what's important. Well, okay. I think it's clear that most of the work people are doing is maintenance and it's not moving forward. What you said, you have to have an indicator that you are moving the ball forward. 
And you have to know that. A game changer knows what that looks like. And that's, again, we talked about mentorship last episode, that they can help you with that too, right? Yes, and take the money off the table because a game changer doesn't look at the money. The first time we start counting commissions, counting money, counting how much we're going to make on a sale, we take the people part, the people, the personal part of the equation out of it. And that's everything. Because people smell three things on you, Todd. They, they smell fear, desperation, and greed. Fear, desperation, and greed. And they don't want to partner with that. You don't want to partner with people who are fearful, who are desperate, and who are greedy. And so you see these people coming. So I think the people I've seen makes have had the biggest, greatest success are in this whole flow, this whole zone where it becomes them. They become the game where they're out there having this great time moving forward and validating themselves through what they're achieving out there. And I think that's the key because for me, it was this. It was a personal validation when people would come on and, and join my, say, platform or vote with their wallets and, and come into my company. I would think, you know what? The ideas I had when I was, a, when I was younger are coming to fruition and other people now are benefiting from those ideas. That's my version of winning. That's how I knew I was moving forward. That's how I was directing and measuring the activity and the result. Well, we'd all agree that Steve Jobs was a game changer, right? Uh, But do you think he spent his days focused on how much profit he was deriving from each product sold? I don't think he even had a clue. Probably probably didn't know. I mean, that's that's an obvious example of of why, look, earning a living is important, no doubt about it. You got to take care of yourself and your family. But profit isn't on the mind of a game changer. You start playing small when that's what you look at. You start focusing on the mistakes you don't want to make instead of just playing loose and happy and having fun. And I think we start to measure ourselves by the money. I think that's the first time we start to lose. I would put that in the definite, we talked about what winning is, but I'd actually put that in the L column. Look, we're not saying that that's not an important thing to think about when you're running an an organization, but that's not a game changer. Game changer's thinking bigger than that. You just said you're thinking small. And I think that's such a critically important message here on understanding. That's again, the whole episode here is, what is winning? What is the destination? And it can't be to achieve a, a certain profit level. That can't be it. Well, a game changer is the CEO of their life. So you know what the number one responsibility for a CEO is to drive profit for, rever- for shareholders, is to create a value for their shareholders. So how are you creating value for yourself as a game changer? I think that's the most important thing. And, it's, and the value is, are, are financial um, indicators important? Absolutely. They're essential. I mean, we, we play the game so we can have lifestyle options. So within the game of life that we're playing, lifestyle options are important. Lifestyle options come from succeeding in the financial arena. So it's absolutely paramount and important. But to measure ourselves and to play the game only for that, no. And we're going to do a whole episode on becoming the CEO of your life uh, down the road a bit. We talked about the importance of message last episode, particularly the, the clarity and passion of your message. Talk about why that's relevant here. Well, I think we have to be clear. We have to be clear with what we must have, and, and that, that is a personal proposition. We have to have clarity in what we talk and what we say to ourselves about what we really want. And I think that's crucial. If the message, the message is aligned with the messenger, people are going to buy the messenger before they ever listen to the message. They're going to buy the salesperson before they ever buy what you're selling as a product. They're going to buy you if you have what? Self-conviction, both self-belief. People feel that belief. They feel your confidence. They feel your confidence and then they can experience your competence, but they will probably never get to the competence stage unless they feel your confidence, unless they feel that confidence that has to come from inside. Well, so the message has to be aligned with the messenger. I get it. And I part of my fear here is that someone listening says, all right, well, I'm going to try to get my message aligned with who I am and what I'm trying to do. 
And that's important. That is a critical step here. And, and uh, you cannot be a game changer until you do that. However, you also have to be recognizing the response and the perception from the audience too, right? You just touched on that, but I think that's a step most people miss too. Oh, I think we have to be malleable in our approach. I have, we have to be flexible in our approach. I think that's a, that's one of the biggest parts of, of being a game changer. And we talked about learning and we're talking about learning throughout this talk. I think one of the things we can learn is how to adapt and how to adopt. And if we don't do that, we're not sensitive to how others feel. We're always going to be pushing probably in the wrong direction. That's important. But when we talk about message and messenger, people are going to buy you. And I don't want to say, maybe not use the word buy, but people are going to embrace you because you either like them when people want to do business, they're like, or they like you, or they want to be like you. Those are the three categories. And that goes back to the instinct in the first five seconds, first one second, first millisecond. There's already a bias or an opinion there that's already formed in the subconscious. Everything that happens after that in terms of action either validates or invalidates that subconscious decision. Well, and I hate to keep using a, an obvious example here, but uh, think of uh, the outpouring of emotion and support when Steve Jobs did pass away. And that's the kind of emotion you're talking about here, right? That's yes. the kind of, I'm embracing this person and his idea and what he stands for. Do you even know the name of the last IBM guy who, who passed away? We don't know that because we weren't embracing that message. So that's why it's so critical. So yeah, it's important to align your message with what you're trying to do, but you have to keep in mind that it has to be a positive perception from the audience and the intended audience. And I think a big part of that is, as you said, this adapt and adopt. And I think a lot of people struggle with that too. Any counsel you can provide on how to do that? Well, I think when you look into the eyes of another, whether it's across the table at dinner and it's it's your spouse or it's your date or it's a potential client, I think that person has to believe you and they have to believe in you and they believe in you if you believe in yourself. And there's a lot of beliefs in there, but that's where the confidence comes from. And that's where the confidence comes from. I think that, that that's very, very important in being aligned with the message. So I think that message and that messenger, that's what I'm talking about. They have to be, they're one and the same. Because when people bought from me, they would tell me, look, we're expecting you to get this thing fixed if it breaks. And that's the accountability I embraced. That's the responsibility I embraced. And that's exactly how I enrolled people. All right. Well, that's, uh, gosh, a uh, lot to think about here, but critical stuff as we build uh, this, this foundation to become a game changer. But all the time we have for today, Bill, before I let you go again, how can people contact you should they have any questions about how to become a game changer? That's BillWoodich.com, W-O-O-D-I-T-C-H.com. All right. So tune in next week for the next episode where we will discuss the think and do effect. And frankly, Bill, that's something you've said to me that if you learn one thing to be successful in life is understanding and applying the think and do effect. All right. So on behalf of my colleague, Bill Woodich, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you next week on Be a Game Changer. So until then, remember, always forward. Forward.